Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us of our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. It is the um, welcome into the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. So that means it's hump day. It's Wednesday because I'm here um, and it must be February the 10th, 2021. I'm David L. Gray and I'm very excited that you're tuning in for the next hour of the show. In the second half of the, of the show today, uh, we'll, be, we'll be conversing with Christine Niles. Christine Niles is the senior producer over at Church Militant. We're going to be talking about the first 21 days of the Joe Biden presidency. Um, what do the first 21 days about the presidency of Joe Biden, what do they have to say to us? Uh, what impact does like the, his presidency is going to have on Catholics? So stay tuned for that. Christy Niles is so insightful, and so I'm looking forward to what she has to say. To be part of the show, um, you can just call in at 877-757-9424. Again, that's 877-757-9424. Or you can tweet at me at DLG on GRN. That's hashtag DLG on GRN. If you're watching, also you can just comment on the live stream that is being posted on Facebook and, and YouTube. So look forward to hearing from you if you want to be part of the show. You know, people usually thank their producer at the end of the show. They say, yeah, at the end of the show. They say, oh, you know, this show has been produced by. Um, but so I kind of like credits at the beginning of the show. I kind of like to get the credit part out of the way, right? I like credits at the beginning of the movie. Remember the older movie used to have like credits at the beginning? They'll have like everyone who's responsible, who did the hair, who did the casting. They don't make movies like that anymore. They put them at the end. So, But I would like to thank Cecil Anderson of Guadalupe Radio Network um, out of Houston. She is the producer of this show. And if you've never seen Cecil, make sure you tune in on Fridays at the same hour for the show called Back to Father. They're talking about Thomas Aquinas. And so the thing about Cecil, you never know what she's going to wear. You never know what type of hat she's going to have on her head. So make sure you tune in on Fridays to check out Cecil. Uh, she's the producer of the show. She is amazing. I was wondering about this. I had to ask you this question. Um, have you ever thought about what is the, if you had the craft, if you, if you knew the last day you were going to be on earth, you knew the day you were going to die, and you had the ability to craft that day exactly how you wanted to, what would your last day on earth, what would it look like? What would you, what would you do? I had never really thought about that until my parish priest, Father Carlos, and one of us homilies a few weeks ago, I forget what Sunday it was, I forget what the readings were, I don't even know how this is related, but I'm sure it was in, in some in some way. But he was talking about what his last day will look like. I think he was talking about the last four things. 
And so I got to think about it. I never really thought about it myself. Um, it's not that I don't think about death. I mean, I have designed my own casket. I know I'm not my casket, my tombstone. I know exactly what my tombstone is going to look like because I don't trust my wife with my tombstone. I think she'll give me one of those ones you can just step on. And I don't want people stepping on my tombstone. I don't know why that matters. I just don't want them to. So, But I have designed my tombstone. But I never really thought about my last days. And I don't think you really do unless you're like on death row or you're going to commit the sin of, you know, suicide or something like that, or you're about to go wrestle a bear. I don't think this is something that you usually think about. What is your last day on earth? What would it, what would it look like? And so I was thinking about this. And I think, I think if I, if I could craft it, my last day on earth, I think I would be, I would have all my family, right? I have all my family there. Um, well, my close family, you know, my, my wife, my daughters, my brothers and sisters, my mom and my aunt Gloria. I think they all be there, right? And then, and then I think we go, we go to mass. Now we go to confession. Well, I go to confession. Go to confession first, and then we go to mass in the morning, first thing in the morning. And then this is what happens, right? I think this is the interesting part. After mass, we go to. Hopefully, I'm retired by that time, and I have the type of house I always wanted to have. It's it's a house next to water, not a beach or anything like that, but sort of a seashore because I want my house to be close enough to where I can see water waves crash against rocks and mist spray up. Right? I want that type of scene. And so, you know, I'm on a patio, and I'm on I'm or I'm on I'm on a deck. And this is what happens. So I'm sitting there and someone brings out a cup of hot chocolate, right? So it's not too hot. It's not a hot morning. It's nice. Hot chocolate comes out. And inside the hot chocolate, there's a shot of bourbon. Probably Uncle Nearest or, or um, yeah, it's not, uh, you know, um, Woodridge, maybe something not too bitter, not too sweet. Probably Uncle Nearest. With a shot of Uncle Nearest in a hot chocolate with a donut. And I just sit there. And I just watch the water, watch the waves crash against the rocks. Maybe there's a cruise ship that's going by. I don't make people out there fishing. That's just my morning. I think that's just the perfect morning for me. I don't know what happens during the rest of the day. It doesn't really matter. I could do this all day. You know, I could just drink the bourbon all day. And who cares? You know, it's my last day on earth, right? So, but yeah. Um, but I think, I think really the question is, like, what type of donut? Right. What type of donut would I be having with my hot chocolate? I think that's the most important question. And I start thinking about that. I think donuts, I think donuts are like one of the most underrated analogies there are. I think people use other food analogies. You know, it's, oh, it's like you're comparing apples and oranges. There's always some sort of food analogy. But no one ever really uses donuts as a food analogy. I think it's underestimated. <laughs> its quality is underestimated about the, the potential that it has to make a good analogy. Watch this. I think donuts are like life. They should be holy. Hmm? Right? Donuts are I like life. They should be holy. Right? Donuts are like the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity, as we Catholics believe, and it's true, the Holy Trinity is one God, three distinct persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Holy Spirit is neither. Yet they are one. One God, three distinct persons. What is a donut? What is a donut? A donut is dough, grease, and sugar. 
neither the, the the grease is not the dough the dough is not the grease and the sugar is neither but they all come together to make one thing you cannot separate one from the other now of course all analogies eventually fall apart but that's a good start to explain the holy trinity so donuts had a potential donuts here's another one here's another donut analogy donuts are like Protestantism. there's something missing Right, the hole in the middle. Right, they're missing a few things. You know, books of the Bible, sacraments, and things like that. Uh, sacraments are like, uh, no, donuts are like the sacraments. Donuts are like the sacraments. Every donut is not the same. Every donut is not the same, and neither are the sacraments. You have different groups of sacraments. You have sacraments of initiation. You have baptism, confirmation, Holy Eucharist. Those sacraments are kind of like cream filling. You know, they're they're good on the inside. They do something on the inside, like baptism does, like confirmation does, Holy Eucharist. Right? Does something on the inside. Uh, sacrament. Then you had the sacraments of we had sacraments of of healing. You have uh, the sacrament of penance and reconciliation or confession, as we call it. You have the sacrament of anointing of the sick or extreme unction, right? The sacraments of healing are sort of like donuts with fruit fruit on the inside, right? You just never know how that's going to work out in the end, right? You just never, you just never know, right? Um, sacraments of mission. You have the sacraments of mission. You got the sacrament of holy matrimony. And you had the sacrament of holy orders see those sacraments are kind of like oblong donuts they take a little longer but it's going to work out great towards the end huh so yeah so sacraments are like donuts donuts are not all the same and neither are the sacraments although there are six sacraments there there are six sacraments through which we receive the grace of god there's one sacrament through which we receive god himself the holy eucharist now that's a donut with sprinkles on top all right see 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 you got listen you guys are not you're not making you're not making full use of the whole donut analogy so yeah so i think yeah so that's how i'm gonna that's how my, my day looks my perfect that's how my perfect day looks i think you know next to the water waves crashing against the rocks i'm sitting there with a hot chocolate and a, and a bird with bourbon in it and just one shot right and um, yeah, and a donut. Like I said, don't know which donut. It's definitely not going to be a Krispy Kreme donut because I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. A Krispy Kreme is not a donut. It's a protest against the donut. I mean, if you ever had it, if you ever, had, if you ever had a great donut, you know, it's not Krispy Kreme. Yeah, I mean, let me, I mean, we could be, we could be honest about this. All right, it's it's good. It, it tastes fine, right? But it's not really a fine pastry. It's it's not. It's dough with sugar on top. You know, that's all it is. Don't, Krispy Kreme is, is what happens when a bunch of guys got together. There, a bunch of guys are just sitting around, and guys say, you know what, you know, what we should do, guys, we should um, this is what we should do. We could we should. We should fry some bread, fry some dough in the shape of a donut. Make it look like a donut, right? Just fry some bread, uh, fry some dough in the shape of a donut. And and then when it comes out, let's just put as much sugar on top as we can. Let's just put all the sugar on if we can, at least an inch. And 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 let's sell that, right? Let's call that a donut. And then, oh, and let's get this. Here's the thing, guys. This is how we're going to get people to really like it. We're going to give one, give away one for free. Give, and you know who does that? Who gives away free product? Drug dealers, 
right? Drug dealers, they'll give you they'll give you a crack rock or something for free to get you hooked. It's nicotine, right? It's, it's addictive. And sugar is addictive. That's why they give it away for free. So it's not, it's a drug. That's what Krispy Kreme is. It's addictive. That's why people like it. It's not a donut. It's a protest against a donut. And that's why it's a great analogy for Protestantism, I think. Krispy Kreme donut is a great analogy for Protestantism. And you guys think, oh, David, you're railing against this David Gray guy. He's railing against Krispy Kreme. And I apologize. I'm sorry if you guys are eating a donut right now in your car on your way home from work. I'm sorry if you own a Krispy Kreme franchise. I have nothing against Krispy Kreme. Listen, when, when there was a Krispy Kreme that opened up in my neighborhood back in 2000, I think it's 2016, 2016 Krispy Kreme donut opened up in my neighborhood. And, um, um, and so it was a grand opening. And so there's this thing. If you, if you're the first hundred person, if you're one of the first hundred people in line to receive a crispy, um, in line at the grand opening, you get a free box of donuts once a month for a year. If you're the very first person in line, you get a box of, you get a dozen donuts every day of the year. So if you're the first, just 100 and you're not the first, you get a free dozen of donuts just once a year. So I said, Hey, this is my neighborhood. I'm going to be one of those first hundred. So I stood in line 12 hours cold. I think it was like November, December. I was freezing, but this is how committed I was. I was number 23, number 23. So I was committed out of hundred people. I was the 23rd person in line. So I got my free donuts once a month. So I have, listen, Krispy Kreme is fine. We just have to admit what it is. It's not a donut. It's a protest against a donut. It is, it is fried bread with sugar on top, right? It, it, it's, it's sugar, it's sugar with a little bit of dough. That's what a Krispy Kreme donut is. Um, but I think it's like, I think it's really a great analogy for, for Protestantism, right? Because, you know, it, it, Protestantism, uh, it's, Protestantism is, um, is Christianity with a lot of sugar on top of it doesn't demand a whole lot, right? It's kind of easy. It's sugar. It goes, it goes down easy, right? You don't have to, don't have to go to confession. You don't have to have as many books of the Bible. Don't have to many memorize as many books of the Bible. Don't have to go to mass on Sunday. Don't have to go to church on Sunday. You could be a Protestant your entire life and not have to go to mass. It's easy. It's sugar. It's Protestantism is Christianity with sugar on top. It's a, it's a good feeling, right? That's what I think what people like about even Catholics I know. They say, ah, oh, you know, I really don't get much out of Father's homily. So sometimes, you know, I go and I listen to, you know, a Protestant preacher, you know, because it feels good, right? They do give great homilies. It feels like it's like motivational speaking. It feels good, you know, but, you know, eventually, you know, it, it's, it, you know, the, the Krispy Kreme donut isn't that great for you. <laughs> Right, so if, I think if you keep listening to enough teaching that's not Catholic, it starts to have some effect on you, right? Like a sugary donut. So, yeah. So that that's another another analogy for for Protestantism. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on a Guadalupe Radio Network. So, be part of the show. You just call in eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four, or you can. Tweet at me at hashtag DLG on GRN. That's DLG on GRN. We're talking about um, 
we're talking about oh christine now is going to be on later she's going to be on on the second half of the show she's going to be on talking about the joe the first 21 days of the joe biden presidency and um so looking forward to that because uh, a lot of people have a lot of concerns about what is this presidency what does it mean for catholics there's a lot of things going on as far as the um, rules that has allowed biological boys to compete against girls in sports, which is going to affect a lot of us who have girls in athletics, our daughters, and they may be losing their scholarships. So that that's a big deal. Um, um, using American tax dollars for abortion. So a lot, a lot, a lot of things going on that um, we got we got to talk about. So we're going to hear from Christine Niles, who is the senior producer and investigative reporter at Church Milton, about that. Before the show, um, Cecil and I produced the show. We were talking about the whole COVID thing and and, and mask. So we're having a funny conversation about that. And I really got I got to thinking about it. You know, what I hate about mask that I don't like mask messaging. You ever heard of that mask messaging? I may have just made that word up. Mask messaging. It's when people wear words or images on their COVID mask. I don't like that. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. It's, it's oftentimes whatever the mask is saying is usually offensive. It's usually going to make someone mad, right? But you can't say anything back to the person, right? You can't, you can't challenge them because they didn't really say it. They're just wearing a mask with the words, right? It's, it's non-committal. And so, yeah, I don't like mass messaging, right? I mean, it's, it's usually what you're, what you're wearing on your mouth with, with some letters and words in your mask is usually what you wouldn't say out of your mouth. It just, it just usually is. I mean, let's, let's be honest about that. So, um, yeah, don't like math message. My wife, my wife is funny. She, um, talk about mass messaging. She doesn't, um, she thinks only Trump supporters were gators. <laughs> only Trump supporters were gators. You know, I wear a gator. Say, ah, oh, you know, only Trump supporters were gators. I think she's right, but I think it's not just any gator. I think it's gators with, um, the American flag on it. We were out at a restaurant. I just kind of looked around. And every guy that had a, uh, um, you know, mask with a gator, a gator on with the American flag, you know, it just kind of looked like a Trump supporter. You know, they weren't drinking Amarillo sours or martinis. You know, they were drinking beer. Right. You know, there's just some sort of, you know, things you just profile, you know. So but I think they was. I think she, she might she might be on to something like that. But the thing about, I like about the gator also is that the gator, it doubles down as an ascot. It doubles down as an ascot, which is really cool. You pull the gator down, you tuck it into your shirt, right? And it, it functions as an ascot. And it's been like many years, decades, since like a manly man has been able to wear an ascot. I mean, last time a manly man, a masculine man was able to wear a mascot, right? Is right before Little Richard came up the song Tutti Fruity, right? <laughs> he had an ascot on. And all the manly men were like, oh, we're done. <laughs> we're done. You know, we're not going to wear, we can't wear ascot anymore. Little Richard just killed it. So... Yeah, a lady, when I was down at the um, cathedral and uh, talking about mass messaging, I was at the cathedral in St. Louis not too long ago. And a woman walks past me and she has, you know, she's mass messaging, right? She's saying something with her mask. And like I said, it's usually offensive. <laughs> and so her mask said Black Lives Matter, right? And I didn't like that. I really didn't like that because I didn't engage her, but I just assumed. This is what, I, that, this is what my feelings said to me. My feelings was like, She's, you know, it's a white woman and she's walking past this black man and she's had, she has a mask on and says Black Lives Matter. I felt that she felt that she's a virtual signaling. 
and that I should appreciate her for her virtue signaling. That, you know, that I think that she, I felt that she felt <laughs> that, you know, she's doing me a favor. She's like, oh, I'm in solidarity with him. And she, he sees it because I'm wearing this mask, this mask messaging. You know, I'm like, no, I didn't. I didn't understand it. You know, she's walking to mass and she's wearing the, the you know, the whole communist thing on her face, you know, saying that she supports communism. That's what it said to me. And I really didn't understand. I was offended. And so I didn't like the, I didn't like the mass messaging there either. Um, but I, I was thinking that, um, you know, I think Catholics, Catholics, we should, um, we should have our own mask, right? We should come out with masks that, that, um, that our own better messaging, right? Faithful Catholics before mass messaging, such as, um, I think maybe I should have a Vatican Gator. Like that's offensive, right? I think that's, that's a good mass message. Uh, the Vatican Gator, or we should have a mask. I think a really great mask for Catholics would be a mass that says the Eucharist goes here. Right, it'd be a mass that says the Eucharist goes here and it points to the mouth. Maybe it has like some hands of Father um, putting the Eucharist on the tongue. Right? Isn't that a great mass? The Eucharist goes here. Right? So that that'd be great. Um, or what's what's another one? Uh, a mass that says um, my wife made me wear it. <laughs> right? Because I think that's a lot of guys. I was reading a poll that said more men are not bothered by the whole COVID thing than, than women are. And men really don't, are really not worried about the vaccine thing. I think that's just the nonchalantness of men. But I think a lot of men were just wearing masks in the beginning. Um, that were a mask in the beginning, you know, cause just, cause you know, their, their wife was making them say, making them wear it. You know, I was, you know, just, you know, I just didn't want that argument or whatever. Uh, you know, cause you know, as you know, as a husband, you just have to, Pick your battles. We got a question from John Boy Singer. He's in a com box. And he's asking, do you think one day that Bishop Lebrer, I never can pronounce his last name. Um, um, he's a, he's the bishop or the cardinal at that time. He signed all the documents of Vatican II. And now um, with the society of St. Pius um, the fifth is now they have um, a lot of people go to that, that those masses because they do their traditional, they celebrate their traditional Latin mass. And so do we think one day he would be a canonized saint? I, th I think that's a, a great question. I think there's some obstacles there, right? Until um, the SPF, until they, until they, until whatever issue they're having with, the church until they're fully reconciled and those issues are resolved. I think there's always going to be an obstacle with him being a canonized saint, but, but I hope after, but I hope, you know, uh, the cause of canonization is definitely pursued. Um, because I think, I think we should investigate his life and see if there's heroic virtue and see if they, they have the qualities of a saint. I think his, he, he, I think he lived a type of heroic life. I think that is worthy of investigation. But obviously, I think there's some there's going to be some obstacles there with, with, with canonization because just the the politics involved in the whole thing until um, the society is is fully reconciled with the church and there's no question there's no, there's no lingering questions 
about that. So that's going to be interesting. That's a great question, John. Thanks for that question. So, um, so yeah, so this is the David O'Grey Show. You're just tuning in. We are approaching the bottom of the hour. And after we come back, Christine Niles from Church Militant will be here. And we'll be talking about the first 21 days of the Joe Biden presidency on my YouTube channel. So I've been suspended from YouTube for seven days. That's why I haven't been posting on YouTube because I shared the whole video with the whole Mike Lindell absolute truth. So you won't see any videos from me probably till maybe Saturday, Monday, when they take me out of the, the YouTube prison. So, uh, yeah, I was a bad boy. And so they, um, they shut me down. I thought it may happen, but I really liked that video. And I'll talk about, talk about that after the break about my thoughts on the whole Mike Lindell video. So next week I am going to be reviewing a book by a person named Olga Segura. I think that's her name. She wrote a book called the birth of a movement, black lives matter in the Catholic church, the birth of a movement, black lives matter in the Catholic church. I don't think it's out yet, but you can order it. And so I ordered it and I'm going to be reviewing it. And, um, so the, the thesis of her book is that, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's arguing, um, she's a proponent of black lives matter and, and, and how the Catholic church should be able to be in, should be integrating the black lives matter idea into the Catholic church. And basically the thesis of her book is that white people should feel bad about being white, right? That white people have oppressed black people and that you guys need to pay reparations and you need to be doing something, doing some things to amend all the bad you've done to, to black people. Um, you need to rebuke your power and your privilege. That's that's the basic thesis of the book. So, but I have more to say about that, and I think that's gonna be my first video as soon as I come out of YouTube prison. So be looking for that. I invited Olga onto my podcast, Talking Catholic, and she's yet to acquiesce. It's been a number of days now, so it's not likely she'll come. They never do when I invite them. But so I'm just gonna have to talk about her book myself of our input and then they're going to accuse me of misinterpreting her or putting words in her mouth. So that's what's, so that's, what's going to happen to that. And, um, Oh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. I was talking about why men were, were wearing masks, you know, after when the first COVID thing started, I think it was, it was because, you know, a lot of, you know, like me, you know, my wife wanted me to wear a mask. So I didn't want that. Cause I think, I think as a husband, you really have to, Pick your battles. As a husband, I think you only have like three battles, three hills you'll die on. There's only three swords that you can ever fall on, right? You can't have too many battles. I think wives can have like maybe 20 non-negotiables, things they they just won't stand for. But as a husband, you can only have three, I think. I think that's the most you can have. And, uh, you know, mine are mine are pretty simple, mass. As a family, we go to mass. That's a non-negotiable. That's easy, right? But even when, you know, my wife, she's a runner. Felicia, she runs. She does a lot of these marathons, which is amazing. I don't understand why people pay to run. I don't I don't get it. But, you know, she 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 um she has these half marathons. And um, you know, she'll, so she'll be out of town. And I'll call her, say, hey, did you get a chance to go to Mass? And, you know, usually she does. But if she doesn't, I say, hey, okay, well, when you come back home, we're going to have to go to confession. Right? And she does. You know, I set the day, I'm going to go to confession. Right? Because she knows that's a non-negotiable. Husband, husband's the priest of the house. He doesn't play with that. The second one is football. I don't have too many hobbies. I don't I don't have a whole lot of free time. You know, I do a lot of reading, a lot of studying, a lot of writing. And so I don't I don't have hobbies anymore. So my thing is football. 
those those professional professional football those five months out of year on that one Sunday for four hours I watch football so you know don't don't schedule anything don't ask me to do anything because I watch football and other ones don't wake me up don't wake me up before I want to wake up right I think she's figured this out over a while over the years it took her a couple of years to figure out that I'm not everyone will have a bad day if I wake up before my time so I don't like to be woken up before I wake up I feel like God should wake me up I don't use alarm clocks or anything so um so yeah, yeah, you can't have too many too many non-negotiables as a husband. And um, it was funny the other day. My wife asked me. She's like, hey, you know, David, would you marry me again? And I kind of hesitated with the question, with the answer. And she, you know, so she got mad. But <laughs> but I think I think that's why you know marriage marriage is tough sometimes. But I think that's why it's it's a sacrament. That's why we need sacraments. Sacraments are for things that we need divine help with. Right. Sacraments are things we need divine help with and things that affect our life after death. That's why there's no sacrament for being a great athlete. If you want to be an athlete, it just requires determination, some natural ability and effort. Right. And training. So you can be a doctor. You can be an average doctor and still go to heaven. Right. But you're an, if, uh, you don't need a sacrament to be a great doctor. But if you live your life with just an average Christian, you may get the purgatory. It may not. So, yeah, sacraments are things we need divine help with. You know, marriage is one of those things. And so, uh, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, your marriage, your marriage is, a, is a blessing, and um, I'm enjoying it. You know, we've been married for, um, I don't know, since 2016, so we're going on five years. I think, yeah, it's this year will be five years. So, um, definitely, it, it's, um, it's fun. So, I'll talk to you more about that. And I think we're coming up on, on a half an, half an hour break here. Um, Sissel just gave me the music, which means I have to stop with my comedy routine, my calf comedy. That's catechesis and comedy put together. It's called cat comedy. Cat comedy is what I call it. But we'll be right back. And shortly after the break, we'll be speaking with Christy Niles of Church Milton. And this is Voicing Truth and Reason on Guadalupe Radio Network. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave the GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Can you tell me the three little pigs story? Three little pigs were listening to Catholic Radio on the GRN and heard that the GRN was raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. So they went to grnonline.com, bought five tickets for $100, and waited for their name to be drawn at the end. So, who's your favorite GRN station manager? I like them all, but especially Joe McClain. Confessions at Five. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, 
It's an order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. It's more than a landmark of Corpus Christi, Texas. The chapel's 75-foot blue dome is adorned with gold stars representing Our Lady of Guadalupe and the star of the new evangelization. Hi, this is Len Oswald, president of the Guadalupe Radio Network with another GRN Family Minute. Our Lady of Corpus Christi shines like a beacon to all who pass by. Sitting on the campus of a Roman Catholic retreat center whose purpose is to facilitate a living encounter with Jesus Christ in His Church. This beautiful center is the home of the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, SOLT, a society made up of priests, consecrated persons, and laity. The Holy Mass is being broadcast for you, our GRN family of listeners, from the SOLT Chapel Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. And it's just one more reason why the GRN is truly radio for your soul. And to the David O. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. So happy to have you in for this um, second half of our show. And short measure here, we'll be bringing in Christine Niles of Church Milton. She's a senior producer and investigative reporter over there. Hey, someone asked me, um, <laughs> um, do you, um, oh, can you post a video? And this is Lori over on the Facebook page. She said, can you post a link to the video? Do you have it on Rumble? Um, actually, the actual Mike Lindell video is over on Rumble. Um, that's where I'm posting my content at now as well. So it'd be on Rumble and YouTube and Facebook. But um, so yeah, the actual Mike Lindell video over there is called um, "Absolute Truth." And so yeah, I thought the, I thought the video was actually pretty interesting of of Mike Lindell, and you but you have to hang on till it's I think it's two hour video, and it doesn't even get like compelling, and until like I think maybe the last ten minutes or so, last twenty minutes or so, when he gives this what he calls. This is the lock solid case. This is like the absolute proof. This is like the, the most compelling evidence. He doesn't give that to like the last 20 minutes of videos. It's with these routers and IP addresses that shows some hacking from other countries. And so I don't know why he didn't front load that. I think he should have front loaded and put it right at the beginning. And that that, that would have been, you know, better. And so, but I think it's a very interesting video. But yeah, you can watch it over there on Rumble. And also... So we're going to have um, uh, Christine now. So she's going to be coming in pretty here shortly. She's going to be talking about the first 21 days of the Joe Biden presidency. So that's going to be really interesting. Looking forward to talking to her. She's really smart. She's insightful. She knows what she's, she's talking about. And also, yeah, like I said, be looking forward to that review that I'm doing um, on my YouTube channel. That should be maybe... Saturday, maybe Monday, I'm going to be reviewing the book called The Birth of a Movement, Black Lives Matter in the Catholic Church. So be looking for that. It's written by Olga Segor. Hopefully she 
accepts my invitation and comes on talking Catholic. They actually have a conversation with this about me. But if not, I'll be doing my usual treatment where I just, uh, you know, put her on one side. I'm on the other side and I have a conversation about her, about her material. So but let's welcome on Christine Niles onto the David O. Gray Show, Voicing Truth and Reason. Welcome in, Christine. Hey, David, how are you? Great to be here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Yeah. Great. So Excellent. I, yeah, I know you're busy today. Thanks for making time to come on and talk to us about the first 21 days of the Joe Biden presidency. But I first wanted to say, though, I noticed um, Church Milton, you guys are doing evening news now. What's going on with that? Oh, yes, that is our big new show. It just premiered on Monday, and we have spent months and months preparing for it, and it's got some just rave reviews so far. But it's essentially an evening newscast. You know, that's about 20 to 25 minutes long. It's just straight news, and it gives you all the current events relevant to Catholics, um, you know, the latest news, but in a very visually engaging style. Michael Voris is the main um, host for that, but when he's off, I'll probably be subbing for him. But, yeah, yeah, it's, it's every uh, weeknight at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. It's live on our site, churchmilton.com. Oh, so you guys are going head-to-head -head with, like, the ABCs, NBCs. You're, you're in that time slot right there. That's what we're hoping for. <laughs> That's yeah. our aim. Yeah, I yeah. caught one show, and it, I mean, it, it is so. It looks so professional. I mean, it, it's well done. Obviously, you you, you put you put invest a lot of money into the studio over there. So, yeah. I'm yeah. really I'm really looking forward to it. it. It looks it looks good. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we work very hard here. So, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what's your thoughts, uh, Miss Christine Niles, on the First 21 days of the Joe Biden presidency, what's some, what's some things that come to mind that concern you or, or whatever? Wow. Where to begin? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, gosh, uh, so, so much. And quite frankly, I was rather devastated when Biden was, um, you know, brought into the White House. But there's so, let's start right away with abortion, of course. Abortion. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the, the main thing. Immediately, the first thing he did was he reversed the Mexico City policy. And of course, that is the policy that removes taxpayer funding from organizations overseas that promote or do abortions. And so, you know, you've had this sort of ping pong where when the Republican president comes in, he implements the reinstates Mexico City policy and yanks federal funding from all these pro-abortion organizations. But then when the Democrat president comes in, then he reverses that, says, no, we're going to send money overseas. So it just keeps going back and forth and back and forth. So, of course, the first thing Joe Biden does is he reverses the Mexico City policy, which means millions of our tax dollars are now going to overseas groups that either promote or do abortion. Horrible. And this includes um, the United Nations Population Fund, which has been caught um, actually fostering and promoting forced sterilizations and forced abortions in communist China. It's very scandalous. And the fact that our money is going towards that sort of evil and that Biden is the one allowing that willfully, it's terrible. And that's, that's just for starters. Um, they, he also removed the United States from what, something called the Geneva Council, which was a council. It was it's like a pro-life statement signed by something like 37 countries around the world. And the United States under Trump signed on to that. Well, Biden removed us from that because he didn't like the pro-life statement. Um, then, of course, you've got Obamacare, right? So under um, President Trump, um, of course, we want a Supreme Court victory where 
there's an exception for faith-based organizations not to be forced to cover contraception, including abortifacient contraceptives, in their health plans for their employees. But Biden has vowed to kind of eradicate that exception and essentially force Catholics and other Christians to violate their conscience and cover contraception in their um, health care plans. Um, also, you know, let's talk about LGBT. He's pushing radical LGBT ideology. He wants to put transgenders in the military. He lifted that ban that Trump had placed in there, putting transgenders in the military. That's going to cause all sorts of chaos. He also wants taxpayers to fund transgender surgeries, for instance, in prison. Our taxpayer dollars are supposed to go funding transgender surgeries. Um, and this, this is pretty shocking. A lot of people don't know about this. He has vowed to decriminalize the deliberate transmission and inf infection of HIV AIDS because, you know, understandably, that's criminal. You can't go around deliberately infecting people with HIV and AIDS because it kills them. Well, according to the Biden administration, that's discriminatory. You're discriminating against gays. Therefore, they want to decriminalize that behavior, which just goes to show the complete double standard of this administration. Here's Biden saying we need to wear masks. We need to protect ourselves because there's this health, this pandemic going around. We've got to care about our health. And yet he doesn't seem to care that people could actually die from being infected by HIV AIDS because, oh, it discriminates against gays. It's completely ridiculous. Those are just the starters. <laughs> I could <Wow>. go on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's. I mean, let's 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 take a let's take a, a deeper dive in these two. I mean, the so what I understand about the Mexico City policy was that I mean, when it when it first came online, I remember Ambassador Alan Keyes. I remember he worked on this. Um, I think it was a Reagan presidency, maybe. And so there, it used to be a point in time a lot of countries were on board with this, with not funding abortion um, globally. But so we've moved beyond. So so now it's become like you said, this political football. When the Republicans in, we don't like it. When the Democrat in, is that we do. And what type of scandal is this, Christine? That here's a person who some people acknowledge as the first or the second Catholic president. Um, what type of scandal is this? Is that he he's in his first twenty one days, he's out here promoting um, sinful activity that that invades against what the Catholic Church holds is be a, our preeminent priority. It's completely scandalous. And if people have been watching any of the press conferences by Jen Psaki, uh, the White House um, spokeswoman, interestingly enough, one of the journalists actually asked her about Biden's abortion policies and Mexico City policies specifically. Her response was to give a very vague answer and immediately go to Biden's Catholic faith. She said, well, you know, um, I can say Biden is a devout Catholic. He, got, he tries to go to Mass almost every week. His faith means a lot to him. He prays. And I'm just sitting there disgusted, disgusted listening to her parrot his faith. And I'm thinking to myself, it's worse. It's way worse of a scandal, the fact that he claims to be a devout Catholic, and yet here he is pushing this radical abortion ideology. And this also just happened last week. The um, Republicans, you know, for the whole COVID relief bill, they tried to add um, one of the measures in the bill that they wanted to add was um, providing medical care to babies born alive after a botched abortion. Because unfortunately, that happens a lot more than people realize, you know, mm -hmm. thousands. And 
So not not quite, I don't think quite thousands every year, but I know at least hundreds every year there are babies who are actually born alive after a botched abortion. And unfortunately, the law in many cases does not protect those little babies. So once they're out of the womb, because it's an abortion, they're simply left to die. You know, maybe they're wrapped up in a towel and they're put in a closet and they're just left to die. And it's horrible. It's barbaric. And that's no longer abortion. That's infanticide at that point. But 48 Democrat senators just voted last week to block that measure from being added to the COVID relief package. So now it's moved beyond abortion. It's moved to promoting infanticide. This is how evil things have gotten in this country. And quite frankly, I think this is why we have a Biden presidency, because it's, it's like the scourge <laughs> that has been inflicted upon our society because we continue to slaughter millions of the unborn every single year. I mean, how long can God hold back his wrath against our nation when we continue to do this? We're speaking with Christine now. She's the senior producer and investigative reporter over at Church Milton. You can find her online there and on Twitter. She's everywhere. She is awesome. And if you want to be part of the show, you can always hashtag me at DLG on GRN or post a comment on the Facebook or the YouTube live stream. And um, and Christine, talk about, and I thought it, I thought it was something, because I was talking about this before you came on, about the whole LGBT thing and how one of Biden's, Joe Biden's executive orders was that um, he's allowing boys, uh, biological boys, to compete against yeah. girls in athletics. And I was talking about how that's going to, there's going to be a lot of girls, you know, you have, you have kids, because uh, I know you have daughters as well and kids as well. And um, so now our girls have to compete against boys for their scholarships in sports. It's massively unjust. And it just flies in the face of common sense. And, you know, a lot of liberal feminists are entirely opposed to this hmm. because really it's kind of a women's rights issue. Because if you allow biological males to start competing in women's sports, they will crush the competition. That is just the way it is. Men are just physically, on average, stronger than women. And men are built differently from women. Men are just physically different. That's just a fact of life. Uh, a fact that people don't seem to want to you know, be willing to accept. At least the woke crowd doesn't want to be willing to accept. But it will absolutely crush the competition. It already has. I believe that um, in one case, I think it was an MMA fighter who was transgender. Um, he actually seriously injured the, the female opponent. And of course he would. You know, I mean, it's dangerous wow. to have a, a strong, muscly, biological male in the wow. ring with a woman who's weaker than him, he seriously, she ended up in the hospital. Um, it's just unfair. It's an unfair advantage, which is why feminists are opposed to this. Now, they might be completely liberal. They might be pro-abortion. They might completely disagree with us on many things. But they know, just common sense, this is going to completely eradicate female sports, which is why so many of them are opposed to this. And just recently, you had very high-profile female sports leaders like the lesbian tennis legend, Martina Navratilova, who's no conservative. Um, you had a bunch of Olympic gold medalists. They actually formed a coalition in opposition to allowing transgenders into female sports. Um, so there are a lot of people on the left who are opposed to this completely ridiculous move on the part of the Biden administration. I mean, it's nothing but an attempt at uh, you know, political correctness and trying to appease the whole LGBT lobby because it's so powerful. 
uh, but it, it's causing all sorts of harm. There was a one uh, transgender weightlifter who I think literally smashed five women's records in one day right. in like yeah. five different areas because of course he's going to do that. He's <laughs> a biological male, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Joe, and Joe, and yeah, Joe Biden, he, um, you know, as, as President Obama was the first gay president as far as he, that was his, his, his priority, you know, advancing. Right. Event exactly. legislation for the homosexual, um, you know, whatever that is for that that agenda, and Joe Biden, he he his he he said he he is determined to be the first transsexual president. That that's his, <laughs> that, that, that's his number one. That's the way of putting it. <laughs> I like that. I'm like I'm going to use that. <laughs> but let me let me ask you this because I, I struggle with this, you know, as an RCI teacher, that. You know, we're sitting there teaching, you know, our, our students that, you know, you can't receive Holy Communion if you're if you're in grave sin and, and that the church does have standards there. <laughs> you know, you just can't go around. No more that you can just go around and say that you're a, a Muslim and you don't pray five times. Like, you can't call yourself a Catholic if there's certain standards that you don't adhere to. But what is it? What is it? What do you think it does for our faith and for people's faith? When I see just the sheer hypocrisy, hypocrisy, we're telling them that they cannot receive Holy Communion if they're in grave sin, yet they're seeing Joe Biden go to Mass every Sunday. I, that's an excellent question and an excellent point. I think it causes massive scandal and also a loss of belief in the Eucharist. Because if you truly believe, as Catholics believe, that the Holy Eucharist is indeed the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord, and it is, and then you're giving out our Lord in sacrilegious communions to someone who's promoting abortion and radical LGBT ideology and forcing people to you know, violate their conscience by promoting contraception, all that stuff. How can you, you know, it's a disconnect. And I think it's one of the greatest ongoing scandals in the church today, how few clergy take Canon 915 seriously. Because Canon 915 is the canon that makes it mandatory for clergy to deny Holy Communion, communion to what it calls manifest public sinners, mm -hmm. those in grave sin but who are public about it. Biden absolutely counts as a manifest public sinner. He's causing scandal as a Catholic, promoting the, the most anti-Catholic positions. So for any priest to allow him to receive the Holy Communion, that is open sacrilege. And not only that, it adds damnation to Biden's soul. It's harmful to Biden's own soul. So right. it, it, it's such a scandal for Catholics everywhere. And it, it, all it shows to so many Catholics is, you know, how can you clergy be who, who are willing to do this and justify this? How can you actually believe? Do you have any supernatural faith? Do you really believe that the Eucharist is our Lord? And if so, how could you do this? That, you know, I, I believe it just causes such a massive loss of faith among Catholics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 and I pray for so many people who are in RCA now, and they were looking to the church as, as being some sort of yeah. moral standard in society, and they mm -hmm. were looking to bishops as having moral authority, and and, and they, they 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 a lot of them are struggling right now. Is this really the church that I, I thought exactly. it was? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And also another another danger of the Biden administration that we've talked about a lot is his links to communist China. You know, mm -hmm. there was a big scandal about the Hunter Biden laptop 
And for a while, the mainstream media was trying to say, oh, there's nothing there. You know, this is all conspiracy, et cetera. And then, of course, now it's all confirmed. You know, the FBI came out and confirmed, you know, actually, we have been investigating him for about a year now. We've had, had the laptop for about a year now. In fact, we've had several of his laptops, and we're still <laughs> under, he's under criminal investigation. They confirmed all of that um, you know, now that Biden is in office, of course. Right. And it's actually very scary because we're seeing now Biden take a much softer tone toward communist China. And communist China, of course, is guilty of massive human rights violations, including persecuting Catholics. Um, and our con- the concern here is that it's exporting its communist ideology yep. through – China-friendly relations like Biden. And there's actually a video, you know, that actually aired a few weeks ago from, and then they, the Chinese media immediately took it down. But it was one of their high-ranking um, personalities actually admitting that they have people very friendly within the present administration who's willing to listen to them and do their bidding, et cetera. So the whole communist Marxist threat in America is very real, and especially now under the Biden administration. Yeah, and I think that's something, you know, we, we, we say that and it sounds, oh, it sounds like conspiracy. It sounds like we're talking about Freemasonry, talking about secret societies, we're talking about conspiracies. But, you know, I'm, you know, I'm really active in, in the stock market. And, you know, when Biden came in, I created a portfolio, I mean, a, a list of stocks I just watched. And they're all, you know, China stocks, China-related stocks. Yeah. And I noticed that index that I created, they're doing great and so, and there was a reason why they're doing great, as, as you said, and that's, that's just one, that's just one thing you could look at to show the relationship that Joe Biden has with China. Just look at, look at the indexes, look at, look at the stocks that are, that are in China, supported by the communist government. They're doing really well right now. I'm not saying invest in them. I'm giving investment advice. I wouldn't invest in them, but, but right. you just watch that's them. There's a, a reason, there's a reason why. And there's also a reason why communist China was rejoicing and doing black backflips when Biden was elected. If you go look at like communist state run media and their Twitter accounts, all that stuff, they were all cheering Biden because they hated Trump. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and let me, um, do you think it's, do you think it's, you know, I was watching Joe Biden's inauguration and, um, you know, I'll wait till, well, I didn't watch the whole thing. I was watching pieces of it. And at the end, I noticed he had a, a young girl come up. Her name was um, Amanda Gorman. Um, she's being celebrated as being some sort of Catholic. Um, she's a young uh, black lady. She belongs to a, a Josephite parish in L.A. Um, if you go look her up on the Google, on uh, YouTube, I mean, she's probably the most pro-abortion person you've ever you'll ever encounter in your life. I mean, she's all pro-aside, the killing of one's own offspring. She she endorses, supports, and wants more of. But this is a person he had shut had closed down one of the last performances at his inauguration. Do you think it's do you think it's in, intentional how society is promoting Catholics who are actually who live a life that is contrary to the faith, or is that just or, or something that just happens accidental? No, no, I think it's a- absolutely deliberate. I think it's absolutely deliberate. I think you know, for someone like Biden and the people he surrounds himself with, he uses his faith for political purposes. It's pretty clear. I mean, it's very clear. He uses his faith for political purposes. Um, he, he constantly touts his faith but does things completely contrary to his faith as far as using Amanda Gorman again. It's, I think everything he's doing is very deliberate. And as Catholics, obviously we have to suffer under this presidency for the next four years. We have to pray. We have to sacrifice. I think we have to do a lot of reparations 
for all the um, evil that have, that's being committed in the world in, in our country today. Uh, but we've got to fight back. We really have to fight back. We have to be vocal about our faith. And it's a little, it's a kind of a scary time, I think, as a Catholic, because I can kind of see the persecution coming down the road. It's starting as a soft persecution, but maybe it'll get worse. Uh, and we're already seeing it with all the censorship, you know, the people being deplatformed. I know LifeSite News was just completely taken off YouTube, so they've lost 300,000 followers. Wow. Um, you know, all sorts of people, Christians. I've had friends who simply posted a pro-life tweet, and they were permanently banned on Twitter. And that's wow. ramping up. And we know that Biden has no problem with that. We can see because it's ramped up so much, like exponentially over the past few weeks. And Biden is perfectly okay with that. So Catholics out there should not be surprised if they end up being banned for things that they never would have been banned for like a year ago, if they're banned now. I mean, we have to start thinking about how we're going to fight back on this, because right now, kind of all the evil people have control of the engines of power, and they're using them, and they know they have a friend in the White House mm -hmm. who will not crack down on them if they silence us. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, two things to know about communists. Communists have never won a fair election. That's the first thing. And the second right. thing to know about communists is that they also believe in unity, but it's not you. <laughs> they they believe exactly. they, the unity for them is getting rid of you and so that yeah. you're out of the way and so that they can work Correct. with people who they agree with, which is themselves. So Correct. this is the David L. Gray Show, Voice of Truth. Really. Christine, thanks for coming on. We're at the end now, but I hope you come back soon. We'll do. Right. All right. God so, um, same time, same place. I look forward to conversing with you again. In between time, in the meantime, you can visit me at David L. Great Info. But until then, uh, remember that Jesus loves you and is there for you. And live your life like salvation matters. And may the abundance of our Lord's blessings and graces and favors fall upon you and yours. Thank you. All young adults.